Hey everyone, um, kind of random, especially to drop an episode like this after probably more than a month, but um, and right before Christmas, kind of atypical. But uh, mom, my dad passed away a few days ago, and I just wanted to get something out there, and so just did a little tribute, and it's probably mainly for family, but anyone else is welcome to enjoy it, obviously. Uh, I get, I bring my sister on, uh, Eden, and we talk about, kind of have some back and forth about my dad for maybe about 10, 15 minutes. And then I'm, and then I go into my own kind of thing with sharing my own thoughts and everything. And, and then right at the end of that, um, and this is what I wanted to make sure got out there was that I'm going to cut into a, a, a song that he truly actually said he wanted played at his funeral now, I don't know if we're actually going to do that or maybe a variation of it, but um, that's why it's going to just go into Paul McCartney and play the whole song. So that's why you'll get kind of some random changes this time around. But anyway, um, for those of you listening to this during the holidays, I hope you've had a great Christmas or you're going to have a great Christmas and that it's just been a fun holiday with you and your family. And um, even though we just lost my dad, you know, it's already been nice to reconnect with a lot of family and a lot of old friends and it's truly been a blessing a silver lining to all of this anyway uh love to everyone and merry christmas and uh hope you're ringing in the new year in a very positive and productive and spiritual way mormons are really nice people totally nice they are the best cult have you ever under the influence of alcohol questioned the teachings of the mormon church well these mormons are so nice everybody's so nice (laughs) Everybody's so nice in Utah. They're all Mormon, right? Yeah. So they're not most drinking. Of it, most of it. And they're like not cussing. They're like, Slovis, you stink. <laughs> I'm afraid it was the Mormons. Yes, yes the, Mormons the Mormons were the correct answer. Because God loves Mormons and he wants some more. Shout out to the Latter day Saints. All right. On today's special episode, and the reason why it's special is because for a few reasons, I haven't recorded anything for over a month and also it's a special tribute to my dad and then also because we have a special guest my sister Eden Anderson who is probably the most loyal listener I've ever had on this podcast (laughs) and deserves a special shout out for actually completing 75 hard which is something I've never even come close to doing so Congratulations, yeah. Eden. Thank you. I did not continue it past the 75 days at all. <laughs> so I don't know that that was really the point, but yes, I'm actually kind of glad to hear that. I think oh. if I knew of anyone that was like, actually, I did 77 days, I'd be like, cool, <laughs> we're never going to be friends. That's weird. Right. Is that like, like nobody asks you to go above and be beyond 75 hard. Although, okay, I did not know this. Until I think day 75, when I had marked everything completed, because it was earlier in the day um, that I had finished all the things, but it mentioned like a phase two for 75 part or something. And I didn't even look at it, to be honest. I was like, nope, I'm good. Where it says like like a money grab. You've been doing, but then you do this. And I was like, no, I don't want to. I did it for 75 days. So. Anyway, so yeah, there could be people well, who do it longer, but I was not one of them. 
And we don't really care who they are if they exist. So, yeah. perfect. Um, well, I don't plan on us taking too much time here. I already recorded kind of my own personal tribute to Dad. I just was writing down a bunch of things, and I was, and I wanted to do something, so I threw it out there. And then I also had the thought, well, why not bring a sibling on who might be able to share a couple things, and we can have a little back and forth about it. So let's do that. Did you? Have anything in particular you either wanted to share or a memory or anything? I mean, it could be anything about dad. So, I mean, obviously, um, you know, lots of thoughts, right, after this happened. Um, and some kind of random memories. I know I told you about the the one with the phone, which, um, I mean, we don't have to review that here, but... Well, I already um, put that in my own little tribute. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Right? I, Pulling I, off technological feats that, like, no one else can you do. You would never be able to replicate? No. I mean, like, um, butt dialing isn't a thing. Unless you're dead. <laughs> on an true. iPhone. It's true. Zero um, but I, <laughs> Right? Um, I did think um so my where I work now they do a kind of an employee spotlight once a month and I had been asked last week if I would answer the questions for it um they just post it to the LinkedIn company page and um in one of the one of the questions was what's the best advice you've ever been given or what's the best advice you could give someone else and I um said uh, don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. I'm sure you remember hearing that growing up. Um, I think that was kind of a mom and dad thing. Um, but then I mentioned specifically that uh, my dad has, I mean, our dad, but, you know, my answer, my dad was, um, you know, has said for years, worrying is pointless. Um, if you can do something about it, do it. If you can't, then, I mean, worrying doesn't help anything. And I've really, I mean, I've told some friends about that when they've kind of been caught up in, in some worrying thoughts. And, um, I've tried to remind myself about that because I really think it's true. And I just, I'm, mean, that was something that I, um, just feel like I heard dad say a lot that, you know, worrying is pointless. And, um, so I just thought it was, and that actually, okay, so sorry, the connection here, I mean, other than dad, it, uh, it was posted on Tuesday um, to LinkedIn. So I actually thought, I mean, that was kind of a, you know, the day that we lose him. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, didn't think I'd cry and not this fast. Oh. I um, thought that was a possibility for both of us, quite frankly, so no worries. But. Well, yeah, not surprising. Um, but anyway, so I just, yeah, I thought that was just kind of a, a nice little, you know, just, okay, yeah, he's gone, but he did leave behind a lot of things, you know, things that we'll remember and um, things that we learned from him. So I'm grateful for that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, probably not the best to bring up, but it's like, it's yeah, funny it's to like hear him saying worrying is pointless. pointless. And I'm sorry if you can hear that echo, by the way, I can hear myself coming through your computer, I think, but it's okay. Oh, we'll make it work. Sorry. Um, but no, you're good. Uh, 
because he worried more than anyone I knew after any BYU quarterback would throw an interception. So, (laughs) (laughs) no, but I mean, except when it comes to BYU sports, then it helps everything. (laughs) And if they're not going to be Utah, you better freaking worry about that. So, yes, for sure. Great, great point. No, I. Dad was full of a lot of gems just like that, and you know, he 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 was an interesting example in a lot of ways of saying really profound and right things. But when you're a parent and when you're a child, that's a different dynamic. I mean, you get to see each other's weaknesses on display. And whenever, just because Dad may have not executed those things perfectly on his own, didn't mean he didn't mean it. He always meant it. And I think he was probably a little bit hard on himself sometimes because he knew. He's like, what am I doing here not, like, living what I know, you know? And I think what's so funny going back to, like, BYU sports is, like, he would get frustrated by witnessing, like, a bad play happen or an interception. And then he'd get frustrated that he got frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yeah. and it was just it was just funny more than anything. I mean, these are very trivial examples, obviously, and that's why I can, you know, we can laugh about them now. And But he really was insightful and he really was helpful. And when he tried to help people, he specifically really meant it and really wanted mm-hmm. to. And I, as I was writing things down about him, it became more and more apparent to me that honestly, I think one of his favorite things to do was to help people. I don't know if you remember this, and this would be remember good to this? bounce this off of you because I, as I wrote this down, I was like, I don't think I'm misremembering this, but, and it's not a specific example, but every time he would go on those kind of, those relief trips for like the tornadoes in Oklahoma, the flooding in Kentucky, and I may have gotten the country wrong, but there was a big tsunami relief thing that he did. Was it Singapore? I think it was Indonesia. Okay, Indonesia. I think you're right. So Indonesia. Um, whenever he came back from those trips, was it just me or did he not seem like very fulfilled? You know, I don't know that I would have remembered that and like been able to put a word to it like that. But as you say it, I'm like, no, I'm not, that feels right. And that like, I feel like he also, we often came back very tired because he had been. He often what? Yeah, he came back, but that wasn't the, but that wasn't the tone. He was definitely right. tired, no, but it, he wasn't sitting there going like, "Gosh, that was exhausting, man." Woo. Right. His he, whenever no, he talked about right. it, he he always talked about the experiences, the people, mm-hmm. the location, mm-hmm. the devastation, whatever it might have been. But it was never like, "Oh man, I'm like, so glad I'm not there anymore." Or it was never any tone right. of like regret or wishing he didn't do it. Like he loved, like I, I think that's one of the things he loved doing the most tied to his job. I really do. Oh, I would definitely agree. I, I mean, I think he had a special place in his heart for adoptions um, because of his own history there. Of right. Course. But yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, I mean, he wasn't directly involved in adoptions for a long time. Right. Um, so like after Vegas, really, I don't think, but um but I would agree that that was, that was, he loved working with missionaries, but the trips that he took, those relief trips, those were, I would agree, very meaningful to him. And I mean, I loved, like he, he wanted to show us the pictures, wanted to tell us the stories, want, you know, and, and so, yeah, I think fulfilled is a great word 
for that. Um, and I mean, I, I think it was the Haiti earthquake that, um, yeah. like they had to fly into, what's the country that shares the island with Haiti? I don't remember, but they had to fly into that other country and drive yeah, over. Um, Cause like the Haitian it. airport was completely, I don't, um, but the, the Haitian airport was not available. Um, and I just, I remember him talking about that and the bus ride over and I mean, he was six, two and this tiny bus Dominican Republic. Yeah. I said, that's kind of what I was thinking. And I, yeah, I wasn't sure. Um, but anyway, I'm just the, the work that it took, like these were not vacations for him. Right. Um, and, but it was worth that work to go and, you know, to help lead these groups and, you know, kind of mobilize the troops sometimes. Um, well, speaking of which, I'm just thinking of this now. It's ironic he died on vacation because he never really cared about vacation. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he yeah. didn't, he loved it. Like, he, he appreciated it, but it wasn't his drive. It was mom's. And that's okay. Like, I mean, somebody in the relationship probably says to say, needs to say, we need to go somewhere. Like, let's just do something else. But he was perfectly content yeah. not doing that. Like, his vacation seemed like it was at home, just chilling, resting. I think I get that from him. <laughs> Could be. Some of us are kind of homebodies, and I think Dad's kind of a homebody. Dominic has admitted that, our brother. Yeah. Dominic said he's a homebody. And and I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that some of us get from dad. I can kind of go either way. I kind of like, I like being a homebody. I don't mind it at all. But I like getting out too every now and then. Obviously, I've done that plenty. But sure. But yeah, um, no, you're probably right with that. Although I do think the last few vacations they went on, including this one, um, I think he did arrange those because he didn't the Marriott points or whatever, you know, they, they... Right, yeah, no, that, but that, um, see, that was more, that was more the fiscal side of dad that came into play. <laughs> right? Don't like, lose the points. Yeah. frugal, yeah. if you will. He's like, I'm not losing these points. This is free money. <laughs> like, but, yeah, which, I mean, really, I think that was a... A great blessing, a very nice blessing that they had that time in Hawaii. Yeah, um, I agree. Shortly before, and then. Well, I mean, just the fact that he picked this trip and planned it, mm -hmm. and then departed from the earth on this trip. Yeah. That's yeah. that's not lost on any of us. But yeah. anyway, that's a uh, that's about all I got. Did you want to say anything else, or have any other memory you wanted to share? Um, what's one thing, I mean, just when, after we talked earlier today and just kind of thinking about random memories, I mean, do you remember the water tower story about no. dad, like no. the water tower fell on dad's head? Do you remember that at all? No. Hearing about that. So I, and I will say, I don't know the details of this, of this or like, so but I just remember really little hearing about or hearing how somehow like the older kids, cause I think it happened when they were in Oklahoma. So obviously I wasn't born yet and obviously you weren't either. Um, but, um, 
the kids had somehow understood that a water tower fell on dad's head or something like that. And he had a scar across his head. Anyway, it was in Nauvoo when we went, the four younger kids with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, Faith and I were talking to, to dad, and I can't remember how it came up. It was a water pipe. Like, he had been working on something like a pipe above his head, and it fell, and I think he needed stitches. He still had the scar from it. And anyway, I that was just kind of this random, I mean, silly thing that, you know, a water tower fell on dad's head was the story <laughs> that, like, the older kids understood when they were little or something. Anyway, like I said, I don't, I don't know the real details around it, but. Well, it sounds like something he would like to laugh about for sure. Right. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, um, I also just thought of his, um, sign off on his email, which is again, like kind of those sayings that, you know, he likes, which don't worry, I don't know if I'm going to get say, it yeah, say right it here. It's good. But it was, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's um, something like everything will work out in the end. And if it's not all right, it's not the end. Or if it hasn't worked yeah, out. Yeah, everything is remember. okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. It's not the end. Yeah. I actually bought him that sign, I think, for Christmas just last year. Did you? That's cool. Yeah. And a cheap That's frame cool. to go with it that I'm pretty sure never got hung up. And I do not blame him. But... That is, that was, that was probably his favorite quote and Mm-mm. there you go. And it's still not yeah. the end for him. That's the beautiful thing, but it's even more mm-hmm. okay now than it was before. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, thanks Eden. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. It was a nice little tribute that I was able yeah. to do and it made it a little bit easier. And I think this will be more for mm-hmm. family than anything else, but everybody else is welcome to enjoy sure. it. But. Well, thanks for the invite. I know any, any of the siblings could have sat in and and talked with you so i appreciate the invite um well, and I, I i mean i should have said you know long time listener first time caller or something like <laughs> yeah, that. yeah yeah long time first time yeah well, yeah there we go hopefully there's a second time there you go that'd be great all right love you Eden. thanks love you too mm-hmm. bye okay so i'm doing a special episode um as a tribute to my dad who passed away. And in order to really pull this off, I'm going to have to read what I've written down. So um, I just spent some time writing some things down and I'm going to share them here on the podcast. So I hope you all enjoy this um, or at least can appreciate it to some degree. But anyway, um, so my dad passed away a couple of days ago. Um, on December 19th in Panama City Beach, Florida, which is so random if you know my family. Um, some people that I've even talked to have uh, acknowledged that. They're like, Florida? Like, what? Like, <laughs> like why Florida? And uh, we don't have anything against Florida. In fact, I've never been there. I have only been there on layovers, so that doesn't count. But um seems like a lovely place. I'd like to visit it someday, especially more so now. Um but other than that, there's been no prior connection to Florida for our family, but now there is. Um, they went on there um, randomly to vacation, and it was his choice. He uh, he wanted to get out and you know use the rest of their Marriott points that they were going to lose after this year. And so my mom just kind of went with the flow and kind of kind of nice that you know it was his choice and and um, a place he wanted to be. 
Uh, a lot of this still feels surreal. Um, and I'm still processing most of it, but I truly haven't, and I'm not saying this haphazardly. I'm, I'm comforted, uh, no question, because this hasn't been the hard, like, I mean, it's been one of the hardest things I've gone through, but it's all relative and it still hasn't been that hard, all things considered. And that's because of the spirit and knowledge that I'll see him again. I just don't have any doubt of that whatsoever. So anyway, I wanted to take some time to write some down, like to write down some thoughts and memories of my dad and um, more specifically who he was kind of as a father to me and what his life was as an overview to everyone. Um, and there may be some little details that I don't get totally right here, believe it or not, kind of as I was going through and I'm just like, you know, I guess I'm not positive that that's how it happened, but I think you get the gist of it. But anyway, my dad was born on December 12th, 1952 in Idaho. And I think that was Idaho Falls. I'm not positive of that. But the reason why Idaho isn't as, you know, paramount in remembering kind of the birth of my father is because he was adopted by my granddad and grandmother who lived in Provo. They lived in Provo. Um, and that adoption was immediate. I mean, it happened in, within like 24 hours of his birth. Um, and he, he he was a Provo kid to the core, right? That like That's the reason why Provo will always have a special place in my family's heart. Um, and after, you know, it was actually in Provo High School where he met my mom. And they started their journey together after his mission to Kobe, Japan. Or Kobe, as he liked to say, because it's how you say it. <laughs> Um, but prior to his marriage to my mom while growing up in Provo, he did almost lose his life when he was struck by a car that had been driving around 60 miles an hour down the road right in front of his house. Um, what would have been devastating to my grandparents had become a miracle when he not only survived, but had really no lingering issues from that accident. Growing up in Provo, he was within walking distance to his elementary school, junior high and high school, but none of those schools were closer than the university he attended, Brigham Young University to which he had a great, and some might say irrational, allegiance to. But make no mistake, he passed down that irrational love for the university to me and most of my siblings, specifically and even more unfortunately through the athletics department. But we love him for that, and he'll, he'll always be a part of us because of that. After he married my mom, they quickly moved through life, and my oldest brother Adam was born nine months and just short of three weeks after they got married. And as I've been told before, that every oldest kid counts. In this case, I'm pretty sure all eight of us counted. <laughs> and although all of us were born well after our due dates, nobody was close to three weeks late. So everything checks out. Um, Twelve years and four months later, I, their youngest child, was born. So eight kids in 12 years is quite a feat. And while pretty much all of us would look quickly to my mother to show sympathy, my mom knows more than anyone that she couldn't have done it without my dad. He was as committed to anyone as as anyone could be, to perpetuating the family, uh, specifically one with gospel values and bringing them up in the world, because at his core with, was a belief and knowledge in the gospel and a desire to make the most important thing, that the most important thing in his life. My dad worked for the family services sector of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints his entire career, for the most part. Throughout that career, he worked in the Adoption Agency of Family Services for as long as he could until the church discontinued that organization in the early 2000s. And yes, to remind you, he was adopted and ended up working in the Adoption Agency, which we always loved and appreciated. I mean, appreciated, it kind of sounds weird, but just thought it was always kind of cool. And from there, 
Um, he went on to work in the missionary department for the church, specifically with the missionary training center at times, uh, back at family services as a counselor, working with missionary presidents, infield representatives, and so on. He really was a jack of all trades when it came to working for family services. But throughout his tenure with the church, he probably found some of his most fulfillment in the crisis aspect of his job. He had worked as a grief counselor for the record-breaking tornadoes that took place in Oklahoma, the flooding in Kentucky, the tidal wave, which I believe took place in Singapore, um, and somewhere in that part of the area of the, the world, and among other places that he had been to, because he, he was one of the first numbers called by the church to say, okay, we need boots on the ground, we need people there helping as much as possible. And my dad was usually one of the first called. Um, but if there's anything that I do remember about him, his experiences working in crisis counseling, it was how accomplished he felt when he came home, at least in my perception. He never explicitly voiced that, but I could tell how satisfied he felt because he knew he was doing God's work and could specifically do God's work on the earth in a full-time capacity, which I'm sure he viewed as a tender mercy from the Lord. He truly did. My dad truly loved helping people in any way that he could. His lack of technological knowledge was comical. From taking selfies while looking just to the right of the camera, to being the only person in the world who could pull off a butt dial with a subsequent three-minute voicemail of muffled conversation, my dad was unparalleled in that realm, and he didn't care. That's one of the many things that made him authentic. But for one of his birthdays when we secretly changed his ringtone to the Rockford Files theme song, he sure lit up the room. And when dad was happy, it seemed like everyone was happy. And even when he wasn't at his happiest, everyone else could be. He never demanded attention, not for his interests or demeanor. He was frequently content with being in the background and enjoying the scene. It always stuck with me that in the midst of a calling he had with my mom that required them to spend time at the prison on Sundays, I don't remember a single time that he wasn't there during the opening exercises for priesthood before the priesthood, the different priesthood groups would split off. And that was significant because he would spend, you know, the full three hours at the prison in another ward and would miss, you know, aspects of our, like a lot of times he'd miss the second hour. He and my mom would always make sacrament meeting, but then... I think they would probably go home for the second hour. I can't exactly remember the details of how this would play out, but my dad would always be back for the priesthood opening exercises. And I that just stuck with me. I was, he was always there for me and my brother Graydon. And it was such an important aspect of being a father for him. And although I'm, I'm sure I didn't really appreciate it at the time like I could have, looking at it through his eyes as someone that fulfills his responsibility as an earthly father is something... I'll have with me forever and can only hope to reflect when I'm a father. But um, something that I thought of that, uh, that he left me and my seven brothers and sisters with from a physical standpoint were his eyes, quite literally. All eight of us got his blue-eyed gene. And on a personal note, that's been the only consistent physical compliment I've gotten in my life. But from a spiritual standpoint, my dad left us with a lot more than that, and more than we can even comprehend right now. Even in the midst of all his flaws, it was never a question to any of us how committed he was to the church. He loved the Savior and loved all of us as well. He was no perfect example of fatherhood, but he was my example, and I couldn't be more grateful for that. One more thing I'd like to highlight when talking about his flaws is something I was impacted by the day that he died. It's no secret to me or any of my siblings that my dad didn't always have the most patience when it came 
to, for example, setting up the tent trailer that we had that we'd go on trips with, taking down the trampoline, assembling a bike, taking the tent trailer down, and the list goes on. But I know for a fact that he tried to get better. And almost exactly one month before he died, he asked if I could help him move a big Traeger smoker that he ordered. He and my mom had been renovating a large portion of their upstairs, including their whole kitchen. But they wanted to contribute to Thanksgiving, so he bought a new smoker so he could make a small turkey to bring and my mom's apple pies. And I am so grateful that he asked me to move the smoker from the entrance to the garage and then to help him put it together because I got to see my dad learn from his past frustrations. He could not have been happier that I was there or more patient if the process of putting together the smoker got complicated or if it was too cold. He was just grateful that I was there with him helping him put it together. And he expressed that repeatedly to me. And God was so kind to help me remember the day that he died that in a demonstration of my dad improving all the way to the end of his life. And that's something I can only hope to do in my own life. The spirit world got a good one. They, they got my dad who's going to be chomping at the bit to help however he can. And he will be imperative in spreading the gospel and helping others heal from traumatic events to which I'm sure there are plenty that are in need of that. He will be greatly missed in this life, but I think he's needed even more in the next. I love you, Dad, and I can't wait to see you again. At the end of the end, it's the start of a journey to a much better place. And this wasn't bad. So a much better place Would have to be special No need to be sad On the day that I die I'd like jokes to be told And stories of old To be rolled out like carpets The children have played on And laid on Listening to stories of old At the end of the end It's the start of a journey To a much better place And a much better place Would have to be special No reason to cry
need to be sad at the end of the year.